Welcome to Not the Only Kids in the Podcast, uh, the podcast we talk about episodes of Kids in the uh, We're here. It's me, Nick, and of course, there's Jared and Amay right over there. How are you guys doing? Great. Lovely we're to doing, see you. We're doing I didn't great. realize you were starting the podcast because your tone was so um, dead. Man. Yeah, <laughs> you you seem a little low energy, a little, a little disorganized. I can't tell if that's the standard you or if something's wrong. Low energy and disorganized. Oh, yeah. That's, I mean... <laughs> You're For just sure, being standard me. Right. You uh, <laughs> sounded my, like a, a, a cue card guy copy editing the cue cards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's our guest, Alexis Pereira, who is uh, here to keep Nick on his toes. Finally, Alexis Pereira, my Someone. former my former sketch comedy director. He directed a bunch of my sketch uh, comedy teams at UCB. Uh, what are your real credits, though, Alexis? That <laughs> that I should actually mention here. Uh, um, yeah, and that we uh, probably should have asked for before. That's okay. <laughs> so we could say them. That's but okay. That's okay. <laughs> oh, he. You know what? It, the, his most his most relevant credit uh, to to recapping sketch comedy is he writes the recaps, the weekly recaps for Vulture for Saturday Night Live. That's yes, right. I read yeah. those. They're very informative, oh. very fun. Oh, thank you very much. Well, you're one of the few who like them, so that's <laughs> nice. You know. Do you get a lot of like hate tweets on Twitter.com? You know, they don't they don't contact me directly, which is I, I actually think it's like nice of them. But they on the comments, they like rip me because they like most of the people who read recaps like love SNL. Right. And uh, they basically want a four or a five on every episode. And I, I give <laughs> twos <laughs> a lot. And, uh, you know, I also don't like uh, when they repeat sketches and they're kind of like, no, we love we love it when they do sketches over again. And I'm like, no, I just. Boring. By over again, you mean bringing back the same characters, not just doing the same premise over and over, right? Uh, the last episode, it was it was basically this. Two of the sketches had basically the same premise, um, hmm. over and over. Oh, again. in the same episode? Uh, no, no, I'm sorry, <laughs> that would be crazy. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, no, two two sketches that they had Debbie done Downer again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, it was almost basically the same premise, even the same like key jokes. In the sketches, you talk about so the cake not... sketch, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I, I, I really like that. You guys have seen that, Amay and Nick. Like the, they do kind of a sort of a nailed it parody a little bit. I don't even know. How if it do is you a parody nailed it? No, that's a great point. That's a great point. I mean, the whole point of nailed it is it's sort of a parody in itself. And that's, that's the right. thing, and the cakes just get so bad that, uh, you know, they turn into living beings and start puking on top of themselves and mm-hmm. stuff like that, and they just take well, it to an extreme. Well, no, you know, I don't want to go too deep into this, but, like, in all, and typically they change it up. Like, the cakes are bad for a different reason, but so, like, one cake looked like a butt one year, and then, like, another that's cake was so, uh, so bad that uh, it, uh, it, was, uh, it opened a portal from hell, like, like three years ago. And they did the portal from hell cake again. I only have a couple of friends who passionately watch Saturday Night Live, but they do it because they want to put together conspiracy theories about which cast members hate the other <laughs> cast members. And they kind of like uh, follow the clues about who's standing next to who at the end. <laughs> kind of I thing. thought you were going to say conspiracy theories about uh, what who they're ripping off. If they stole your material. Yeah, I know. That's what I was going to. That's what I assumed. Those fights, it's like, those always are, are fights where I'm like team no one. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, <laughs> sure. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Like the people complaining are annoying and SNL stealing. Team change the subject. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Oh my God. Um, well, Alexis, what, what, what were some of the, the sketch comedy shows you used to watch growing up or did you watch sketch comedy growing up? Yeah. I mean, like almost, a lot of dudes, I guess. I watched '90s SNL, <laughs> you know, um, Kids in the Hall. I, I when I came home from school, it was kind of like a, I come home and then at four four p.m. It was like an hour of Kids in the Hall, like two episodes, yes. and then at five p.m. was SNL. Maybe I have those backwards, but uh, yeah. So I'd watch that religiously. Then like, whose line is it anyway? <laughs> like just basically like three hours of comedy every day, and I wouldn't do my homework at all. Like I hated school so much, and um, I but I watched. Literally, I think like every sketch show I could get my hands on growing up, you know, I every night, uh, every Saturday night, watch Mad TV from 11 to 1130 and then um, SNL from 1130 to one, you know, and then Conan every night. Like, it's just watch like shitload sketch. 
Mm. Wow. So you, you, you were like, uh, you were a big sketch comedy fan. I, I didn't realize that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But so do you remember, obviously you liked kids in the hall if you watched it every day after school, but uh, do, do, do any sketches like jump out at you? It's like, uh, oh, I remember that one in particular. Was one there, you know, uh, the sketch that really like I always thought was so brilliant was there's a sketch where I can't now I see now I can't remember who somebody keeps getting married over and over again. And every time like something terrible happens to her husband, uh, like to get shot by the mafia and another time, like it's two twin brothers who have been trading places and then she finds <laughs> out on the wedding night. And uh, and uh, yeah, I don't know. It's that sketch. I, I think that was, was. Yeah. I remember watching that one. I, I want to say it was Kevin McDonald getting married, but maybe maybe not. Yeah. yeah. And uh, that's a, th- that's an interesting one to remember. Yeah. Kevin McDonald was one of the husbands, so it wasn't. It wasn't okay. him. Yeah. But that was that was a fun sketch, and I don't know, like uh, thirty Helens agree. Is that thirty? Is it thirty? Like mm-hmm. something like that. Like 30 the weird agree. stuff. Yeah. We're big Helens fans over here. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Darrell. Oh right, I forgot about Darrell. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is, have we seen that character yet? No, he was kind of like oh, okay. a proto Sprockets. If you remember Sprockets, the Mike Myers character. No, no, I don't know what that is. <laughs> okay, well then never mind. Well, well describe uh, <laughs> Sprockets to me. I want to know. Sprockets is a German like... talk show on SNL. Oh, yes, I know that. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I just don't know the character's name. Sure, sure, yeah. Alexis, would you say that Kids in the Hall like, influenced the way you write comedy at all? Yeah, I think so. Uh, there's definitely a lot of... A lot of the sketches are... are, are I, I don't know how to explain this. They're like very lived in. Like You kind of yeah. see like the people's lives and kind of... Often it's almost like a very intimate look. And sometimes in my sketches... I think like even, you know, perhaps like my worst ones, or my slower ones, I'm trying to recreate that style of like, like, let's have a lived in experience. Let's like see this, uh, how these people live and like take too long staring at them. And uh, yeah. I mean, I've even, I even want to see uh, them live a couple of times. Like I was, I was a pretty big fan. Yeah. Famously, that's what inspired me to suggest this podcast was a man. And I went to the same live kids in the hall show 10 years ago or something. <laughs> and I remembered that and I was like, hey. And our eyes met podcast. across the studio. And I was like, one day we'll be important to each other. Hey, and 10 years later, you're like, I don't know, you want to do a podcast? I got no <laughs> Well, the thing I'm talking about hasn't happened yet. <laughs> it's, we're still going oh, to be wow. important to each other someday. Well, uh, hey, what do you say we dive into this recap of this episode? And hey, let's take ourselves back to uh, April 24th, 1990. Uh, pretty Woman. Is on the top of the charts, the movie nice. charts, wow. number one in the box office. Is what this, song is this? Yeah, this, this is, is a note. Woman. <laughs> this is not the movie. Number one, number one in the Are movie charts. Are you leaning charts. on the keyboard? It was a pretty woman. Her also is that this okay to say that a pretty? <laughs> I love this just, just what? So who? What? Finish what you're gonna say. Sinead O'Connor with "Nothing Compares to You," oh. number one in the charts in the U.S. on April 24th, 1990. That pretty Meanwhile, woman, Sinead O'Connor. <laughs> I do think in, the in Prince Can- version is better, but this is still a great song. In Canada, the old the old man himself, Phil Collins. <laughs> oh God! Back again with "I wish it would rain." I wish does, it would rain down. Does he just have this like interminable stranglehold on the charts? Yeah, like, is it he's always like by the neck. <laughs> Uh, well, I was Alexis, it up just, to... To keep, just to keep you up to date, we've done, what is this, the 16th, 17th, 18th episode, something like that. And I would say 100% of the episodes <laughs> feature a Phil Collins song at yeah. number one on the Canadian charts. Man, oh man. I mean, I don't know. How do you explain this? Well, this was the him. highest selling song of 1990 in Canada, and it spent six weeks at the top of the charts. Uh, they both and... have like a similar tone of deep longing and heartache so maybe that was just the vibe mm. at the time <laughs> alexis did i think we're about the same age do you remember 1990 at all do you remember the music of 1990 uh no not at all <laughs> yeah me neither <laughs> well let's move on to this episode of kids and all so this first sketch is called boo uh speaking of boo i was kind watch... of afraid it was going to be allen centered when i first saw this yeah. first frame here this looks like he is woody allen am i is that just me i feel like no. Oh, he does look very Woody Allen esque. Yeah. Appears in this show. I was afraid that Thompson was playing Woody Allen when I first oh, when the sketch started. Okay. Yeah. That's it. And Alexis, we can move on. what were you going to say? <laughs> we watched the entire sketch on this podcast. No, no, no. Is that okay? You 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 watched the episode, right, Alexis? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Okay, okay. I'm just gonna I was gonna play a little clip here. Oh, okay. 
I'm so proud of me. Uh, that wasn't a great clip to play, but <laughs> I was like, I said. That clip conveyed I, zero information about this sketch. I liked that he says, I'm so proud of me. It was like a throwaway but, uh, joke. It was the one line that had nothing to do with the premise. <laughs> the premise the premise is that this man writes a book, uh, and the entire uh, text of the book is just the word boo, exclamation point, and it's a big, it's a big uh, bestseller because it's so scary. Uh, yeah, what, what did you... Uh, and you know what? Yeah, that's the first beat. And actually, we'll watch a little bit of the second beat because there is a, a joke that maybe translates better to uh, to audio. This is the second beat. Right, right. This is the second beat. Well, this isn't translating with all the audio at all. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. It's coming up. Hey, there's a spider on your back. A talking book by Donald Dane. Hey, there's a spider on your back! There you go. So that's... There's an audio version of the. I really thought that car should crash. Spider-Man. I think that would have been much funnier. You know, I was, the budget. I was thinking no, about that. Even the even the slight accident I found impressive. Like you hire a mm. stunt driver to do that, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I, I, I wonder what's cheaper, seem having to put a, a stunt of... driver almost crash or having a regular driver just crash. You know I mean? <laughs> probably the insurance is higher <laughs> for the second one. <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. Um. <laughs> So yeah, what, Alexis, what did you think of this one? Of uh, Do you remember? Did you remember this one? Did you, you know, this I, is I, one I remembered. The uh, there's only one sketch in this entire episode that I do remember, and maybe we'll I'll get to it. I'll tell you. <laughs> get to Ooh, it. Maybe Ooh, nice um, tease. kind of a tease. Yeah. So you know, listeners, listen in. And <laughs> this this sketch was you know it's pretty bad, and it kind of <laughs> rem- like reminds me of like definitely late '80s like kind of sketch comedy where you know you would have like you know the entire show there would be like you know a couple of maybe one solid sketch and then like a couple of like really ultra simple like it's almost like we just discovered cameras like look what what we can do with cameras now and um and that that was this jared it seemed like from your face and a maze face it looks like you both disagree Uh, i'm excited because i feel like uh, Alexis is going to come down hard on Kids in the Hall in this episode, and usually that's what I and Jared are doing, so it's kind of a relief. I think the sketch, compared to so many of the sketches we've seen, is kind of funny and harmless and has a consistent, simple premise, which is not something you can say about a lot of these sketches. So, <laughs> um, you know, it made me laugh, whatever. It's not, it's funny to hear you say you, you think it's so bad. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I kind of liked it. Too, I, I thought uh, it was missing a third beat for me. I mean, I don't know if the third beat you could argue was the the car crashing to spider. But to me, first beat is boo. Second beat is there's a spider behind you. And I feel like they needed, I don't know. I was trying to think of possible third beats. Maybe like he types out a picture of a skeleton or something scary. And that, I don't know if that's funny or heightening. It's definitely uh, not funnier. Not funnier. No, that's a good point. Thank you, Nick. Um <laughs> You're <laughs> maybe something like uh like asking if you remember a horror movie like do you remember the blair witch project something like that that would scare them i just felt like there or needed to could... be some effort go ahead of me i was just gonna say he could you know have a book that bombs like write one that's just like yeah you're aging every day and people are like i don't know it's scary but you know you know it's interesting i kind of i feel like the may suggestion is actually a second beat and what we saw is just a recycling of the first beat, which yeah, this, a little bit to me is to me is like kind of what kind of sunk this sketch for me. Well, don't mm-hmm. you think that's sort of the case with a lot of I think this would be categorized as a blackout sketch for them. But a lot of blackout sketches are this just the repeating the same thing because there's just not an opportunity to explore like that. They're just too short, you know. Sure. It's just a very basic idea. But yeah, well, yeah, my I pitch liked it, for but it felt third slash my pitch for third slash second beat. And maybe it's uh, it says the text is just turn around, and then you turn around, and then the guy is standing behind you goes boo. So it's like an audio book kind of. <laughs> yeah, well, it's a it he has to come, but there's a real person. Yeah, he, yeah. It's, yeah. Every, it's every it's time you open him. the book. <laughs> it's always him, so it's hard for it to to sell uh, many copies. Anyway, I, want, I mean, I love it. No, I think I thank think you this... so much, man. <laughs> This this next sketch I was trying to nail the game down and every time I wrote down a game I went oh never mind <laughs> something well, else uh, is happening 
Let's let, oh let's watch God. a clip from that. I one. actually okay. I love this, this one. <laughs> yeah. I, I liked it. I loved it's it too. So deranged. I I, I actually is, do love it. This one is wow. called Dracula. Let me see. Here we go. That game really got you going, eh? <laughs> Brad, did you know that the legend of Dracula was based on fact? In 15th century Transylvania, there lived a man named Vlad the Impaler who ruled the land from the darkest castle. Imagine, Brad, the experience of walking through a dark Transylvanian forest at night. The mist creeps in. Wow! Oh, I, I didn't hear a thing! Could be him. You run, stumbling, fearful, the, the brambles catching on your white, loose-fitting peasant blouse. Your, your, your underwear caught around your ankles. You stumble into a clearing. Haven't I been here before? I'm lost! Did I scare you? Oh, uh, no. That's just a movie, eh? Uh, so once again, a clip that doesn't really demonstrate the premise of the sketch. <laughs> but, it's pretty hard to because it kind of is um, all over the place. Uh, you know, yeah, when the, so basically what, what this is, is like premise? a guy who is seducing a man he picked up at a, I guess, a hockey game. Um, and when they first <laughs> enter the apartment, I was like, this seems like he's trying to fuck this guy. But then he comes out in this Dracula costume. And for a while, this guy is obsessed with Dracula. And then it ends up being about trying to fuck him anyway. <laughs> yeah, I thought, I thought it was going to be like an analogy, like an analogous sketch, analogous sketch where it's uh, comparing uh it's a seduction to being to like vampires, but no, it was just this guy's into vampires and he's also trying to seduce this guy. Uh, but I like that. I like that it didn't end up being just a straight up one to one analogies analogous sketch. Does Wait, it feel like so, Does it feel like Scott Thompson wrote this sketch? Yeah. Yeah, I think Probably. so. Okay. Though I think this is the first time I've seen Mark McKinney perform a character where I actually was like on board with everything. <laughs> yeah, he was very funny. You know, he was his, very funny in this. His commitment worked well in this setting. You know, a lot of times you get this like he's so into his monologues and he has this weird vibe, and it's. <laughs> I think Amay and I agree. He gives off a weird vibe. Like he's he's just uncomfortable sometimes with the way he presents himself and. He seemed just this. He seemed like he was having so much fun in this character. Like he was so joyous the entire time. I thought that made yeah. it. But I don't know. I kind of don't like the sketch. Like I, I appreciate them doing, you know, kind of taking a few left turns and and I don't know, committing to a really weird idea. But I guess I just don't even understand. What, if he's just picking him up and then he's also really into Dracula. I just didn't well, so see. Well, so let me let me read it. Let me read you a little bit. Was, uh, I guess. Let me read a little bit from the biography from for you guys. Uh, I think it kind of explains why they kind of mashed up these two seemingly different ideas here. So this is from uh, uh, the Kids and All biography. So uh, the author says Thompson credits the homoerotic vampire novels of Van Ri- of Anne Rice, which were all the rage at the time, uh, for his decision to cast Buddy Cole's World World War Raconteur. So he was kind of like getting into this idea of. Uh, homosexual vampires he, he says thompson says homosexuals and vampires were somehow connected uh and then <laughs> later in the next paragraph it says thompson and mckinney took the idea of the homoerotic vampire to literal extremes in their sketch dracula wherein thompson flipped the script by playing a hockey fan getting cruised cruised by mckinney's gay vampire after a hockey game that was a very common thing in toronto at the time says thompson a lot of boys were seduced at Maple Leaf Gardens. I definitely had that happen to me, although I wasn't a hoser like my character Brad. But even though Brad allows Mark's vampire to blow him, he's not a gay character. He's just young and opportunistic. Um, anyway, that's some kind of context, I guess. I think they ju- he just kind of had this idea of a gay vampire, gay of 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 a. Uh, Right, two different and, queer and stories. One, one where the guy's getting picked up at the hockey game, and one where I guess just queer culture and Dracula are. are <laughs> but I totally get it because this is something I remember from the '90s, which I, you know we're always like talking about. What was it like then? I don't even remember. But Anne Rice was so hot then, and all of her books are so homoerotic. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I, I think Stephanie Meyer in the Twilight series has like done a real disservice to the queer community uh, by making vampires super straight and like Christian and mm. <laughs> and prudish. So it's like funny to see this version of a vampire that preceded all of this. And, like, I, I dig all this context. I, I wish I kind of had it while I was watching it because I I am liking it more the more we talk about it. Um, what you know, without the context, I also really loved it. I felt this like a highlight of the episode. Um, I, I don't, I don't remember the the, the sketch, but uh, again, this is like where I feel like Kids in the Hall stands out from other sketch shows, and even like 
like you know i whatever we love game but there's something about like watching these two characters kind of interact uh within the confines of a sketch where you kind of like i don't know even though it's like it's like joke upon joke upon joke it still feels like we're watching two real people in a yeah. weird way like no i agree and and uh it's it's just fun i i, I literally like those like the fun the most fun sketch <laughs> in the in the show let me uh, play. It was fun that they did play here. against like sketch structure. You didn't know what was going to happen, and that felt refreshing. I'm not sure what clip this is, but uh, I, I wrote. Oh this, wait, this no, clip you got to play the clip where he does the hand game with him, and the audience like flips their lid. This is uh, also the sketch. I was like, "There's definitely a live audience." You know, they're watching the porn. Yeah, <laughs> that like, move to to grab the the tape hot. behind his head. Is that what you mean? <laughs> No, oh. when he's sitting on the couch next to him, and he's oh, like, that on his him. knee, on his knee, on yeah, his yeah, knee. Yeah, 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 oh, yeah, yeah, that's great. What you do with those? Oh well, you can't. Well, you can't. Okay, let's can't let's watch. Podcast, but I just <laughs> the laughter the... I think is very funny. Anyway, go ahead. that might even be in this clip here. Let me see what this is. So, if you ever need money for tuition, you decide to go to college, come see me. You ever want tickets for more hockey games? You come see me. Okay. You want the occasional blowjob? Oh Jesus! <laughs> Not again! What? Every time I come to the city, some guy picks me up at the bus station, takes me to a Leaf game, gets me pissed, and then tries to blow me. <laughs> what? Uh, yeah, I love that this has happened to him over and over again. I, I love, I just love Scott Thompson's character in this. It's, it's so, so silly and funny. Okay, let's watch a little bit of this hand stuff here. I like this one. It makes me hot. How about you? <laughs> What's with the hand? <laughs> That's a great response. I'm sorry response that listeners that. Yeah. can't see yeah. that, but you could hear the audience freaking yeah. out. Uh, yeah, so we all agree this is a great sketch, right, Jared? Sure, Nick. Yeah, you want to bully me into agreeing with you guys? Sure. No, no, I uh, I do like it. Uh, I It certainly wasn't my favorite of the episode. In fact, I would say I liked Boo more, in a way. Um but there are parts I liked about it. I mean, definitely a lot of redeeming qualities for sure. I love that line where he's like, uh, I, I just wrote down, I'm going to need a lot of beer. <laughs> right. And the keg that he has in his bed. It's like every, every joke was like, wait, what? I love, no, no. He says, um, he goes, I'm not doing anything. And he goes, you are going to come, right? He's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's like, <laughs> he's like, well, yeah. <laughs> that was great. He's like, that's great. <laughs> Okay, well, this next sketch is called The Middle, and let's watch a little bit. Um, we're basically going to watch the explanation of the sketch right here. Each member of the troupe tries to write at least one sketch per show. Well, I thought that my sketch this evening deserves a little information. You see, I'm tired of writing the traditional comedy sketch. That is to say, one with a beginning and a middle and an end. So I wrote one without a beginning or an end. It just has a middle. Some of the other guys in the troupe are saying that I'm a little burned out. <laughs> and I didn't really have any good enough ideas to write a beginning or an end, and I'm just trying to get by on a gimmick. That, of course, is ridiculous. <laughs> Alexis, do you remember how, how often the kids in the hall kind of did these meta sketches about writing sketch comedy? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I remember it uh, happening, but I don't remember how often it happened. Like, uh, they would often talk about, sometimes they'd come out and talk about the sketches afterwards, that, like, they, they, they didn't yeah. like it or something like that. Um, uh yeah i'm surprised like in in the first season it seems like it's almost every episode there's some kind of meta sketch about sketch comedy Mm -hmm. uh this i mean this one was a very simple one and kind of silly fun they once uh the ceo of uh maybe maybe it was cbs when they moved to cbs said why can't you guys do like a talking gorilla sketch or something like because he didn't like the meta sketches so they did that sketch and talked about the ceo of like this is what he (laughs) wants us to do and like that's they were like yeah yeah, I, they, I, they they seem very antagonistic to anybody trying to tell them, trying to give them advice, which I I, I like. Yeah, it's so I unique having a, that. <laughs> oh, wow. a, com- a team of comedians say, "We don't want to hear your stinking notes, you fucking suits." <laughs> um, bold, Alexis, bold how take. do you feel about meta comedy? Do you think it's good or do you think it's lazy? Yeah, it's it's not that it's not that it's like it probably <laughs> usually does lean towards lazy. I don't I don't really love it. Um, I, I I hate this sketch, for example. Uh, and um, <laughs> but uh, at, sometimes it could work. It's just uh, it's just like 
is it are you doing it to be funny or are you doing it to like make fun of comedy and i sometimes i just feel like i could see people like lean towards trying to make fun of comedy in a way like aren't we all tired of this and i'm always like well if you're tired of it then just do something else like you know try to do comedy i have this theory that i repeat a lot but i'll say it now because it's relates but i think a lot of comedians want to be artists and they're too scared to be vulnerable and that's when this sort of stuff starts to come up where they're like doesn't this make you secretly miserable and don't you wish we could <laughs> stop being phonies about it and so like, oh, maybe this is what and, you want exactly yeah, i would and say to play, and, and to play that out of may you think that then therefore this is more of just kind of like a half-hearted like non-step in other words like you you don't think that this is think kind of going in that direction, trying to kind of look outside yourself and do well, something different than traditional art? Yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. I think that can be true. And I, this particular sketch isn't reaching that plateau for me, but there's probably no. like a transitional period if you are trying to get to that place. And I do think Kids in the Hall is much more experimental with their comedy in a way we don't see as much anymore. And I think it does get to a place of almost performance art in some sketches. And I, I think that I'm sure they do consider, like, at least Bruce, I'm sure, considers himself an artist in in, in, in a way. Uh, sure. I think we kind of get into that in that in the later sketch, the vaudeville sketch. We're definitely oh, yeah. trying to do something. I don't think that one works particularly well either. Let, let's watch. This is my favorite part of the actual middle scene that he <laughs> that he wrote. I just want to watch this real quick. Morning, Mr. Mayor. This is a dog. What are you talking to? McKinney's commitment here is so funny. That's what I thought. Because that's what I heard. I love the dog, too. Um, <laughs> the dog thing. just hanging, hanging from the ceiling. Hanging on a rope. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're like hanging this dog from a rope from the ceiling. Um, but yeah, McKinney's, McKinney commits very hard in the scene, whereas uh, Dave and Bruce uh, play up how little they're committing. It was kind of an... Uh, yeah, that was to... kind of unfortunate. I thought they had a good premise that they sort of sold short overall. Like, I, I think it's a little better than most of their meta ideas. And I like the idea of a pre-heightened sketch, I guess, is how I would define the game here if anybody was asking to. I know they weren't, but I figured I'd say it anyway. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I liked bringing the mom on. I thought it was fun to give her. I thought they could have cut her off after her first line and had that be Kevin's, the Kevin's real, Kevin's real mother, by the way, shows up yeah. in the... They kind of kept that going a little too long once they cut back to her. But I don't know. I, I kind of dug it. I, I do wish that they dug into this silly non-scene more and did more with it because it truly did feel like they just kind of threw shit at the wall and said, oh, the whole point is just to do something as silly and just random, I guess, as possible. Um, but I don't know. I part, part of me liked it. I liked the dog coming down, being the mayor and... I like the idea of having a, a pre-heightened sketch. I think there's something to that that they didn't really tap into as well as they could have. Let's watch a little bit from Crushing Girlfriend, The Return of the Head Crusher. Uh. to pay for these scabs. All right. That's it. I'm fed up with you. I invite you into my house to put on a play for you. And you interrupt me? What kind Big cheers for for him saying he's, I'm crushing your head. He's already popular uh, yeah. by this episode, which is kind of interesting to me. He was in the pilot uh, that came out a year before the show, and then he, he's been featured in like two or three episodes so far. Um, Did he fight the neighbor who pinched yet? Yes. Oh. Yes. Oh, wow. Yeah, this is the first time we're seeing him in his apartment, though, which is a sad <laughs> little apartment. <laughs> <laughs> uh, more cluttered than I expected. I, for some reason, I would have expected this place to be fastidious, but it's. Yeah. Uh, but it's. He, also, uh, he has a yeah, house was, canonically. Is it a house? Well, when he did the pinching, when he fought the pinching guy. No, this is an apartment. Oh. But when he fights the pinching guy, he's in front of a house. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I thought uh, I don't remember that, but I but I believe you. Um, but yeah, this is a sad, dirty house. <laughs> uh, with and apparently this is his girlfriend, but she just shows up, and knocks on the door, and says, "Can you pay for my cab?" <laughs> yeah and he doesn't want to so he crushes her head and then she comes up with a pretty a retort in, which ingenious is a, oh yeah ingenious she, she sure says, does she no blocks people home. with her thumb yes blocks them out. i actually kind of like that one it's uh, yeah nobody home this uh, this whole thing was weird and f- funny but <laughs> it was yeah I, yeah i i like that these weird ridiculous sketches show up in kids and all uh but what did you think, Alexis? Are you a fan yeah, of the Head Crusher or are you a fan of this one? 
I'm I'm a fan of the head crusher. Uh, this sketch is just way too weird and just it, it it just it feels like they're getting into their like I think we want to make short films period, mm-hmm. and uh, you know it's just not. <laughs> I as feel like we're well into that period. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, it's just not as interesting to me. Hmm. I liked. Uh, I I did like uh, when. Uh, Scott Thompson shows up in the cab outside and they're talking to him from the window and then Scott steps aside and reveal the, reveals that his mother is yeah. driving his mom the cab. Is, there. <laughs> is this a Mother's Day episode? You know, I was thinking... Uh, was I that an intentional up, but... callback too is my question. Is that... Or is oh, that I, just, I don't just think had so. back-to-back mom jokes? I think it's probably just back-to-back mom jokes, but this is kind of a Halloween episode. Even though this aired in April, we had the <laughs> Boo sketch and the Dracula sketch. Uh, and coming up next, we've got a, a mass murderer sketch. Mm. Um, yeah. Uh, but anyway, you guys have anything else to say about this one? It's the head crusher again. He's fun. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I needed to know this much about him, but I guess. I, I think he only shows it. up once or twice more throughout the whole run of the show. If I, if oh, I really? Okay. Yeah. It also seems like they're, they're running out of ideas with them. Like going back to our recurring thing with the cake sketch, like already they have this new character doing her new thing. And I just. I don't know. I liked Ted Crusher when he was just <laughs> crushing heads. I don't you know. Think, I, do you think they were hoping for like a spinoff where now she's in her own sketches where she's blocking people out? No, no, because <laughs> they already have the pinch guy. Uh, yeah, I but he doesn't. They could have done anymore, this live too. Although I guess all the head crushers are, are filmed, right? They, no, they have to be filmed because it's so much based on you like have blocking to see the camera. Yeah. yeah, sure, yeah. right. You know, what's also interesting is um, later on in their season, maybe I don't know exactly, but they when they dress up as women, they look beautiful. But like right now, like they they're the way they dress as women, they're not they don't look as good. Like, no, yeah, just got to slap on a, a wig and that's it. They, I think there is a certain point where they hire somebody. I, I, I remember reading about this in their in the biography, like they, somebody comes on board that kind of makes them look better as women. I, I can't remember if she's like a makeup artist or a wig person or something. Oh. But yeah, they, they definitely start to look more attractive later. Um, not to sound sexist, I guess. I don't know. Is that sexist to say more attractive to me? Then I'm in trouble. Because uh, you, the internet cut you out. Maybe it was God protecting you. No, 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 <laughs> you no, got your answer like, right there. You're no, being censored. Nick asked. Nick asked if it's sexist <laughs> to say that they look better later with better, more makeup, but they do. I don't know. To say. I don't know. I don't know if I think that's necessarily sexist. If you have a better makeup job. Thank you. Well, let's we watch a, a little sketch bit of this. about ugly women coming up. That's true. That one I I know that one I uh, don't feel that great about. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. What a nightmare. Let's watch a little bit from this mass murderer sketch uh, from the beginning. It's a monologue with Dave Foley. The difficult thing about being a mass murderer isn't the uh, murdering part. It's the mass part. (laughs) It's the pace you've got to keep up, the sheer volume of murdering. Jared, we like to sometimes uh, hear what the game of the scene is. I wrote down this one, mass murderer, like it as though it were an office job. What do you think? Mass murderer, office job? That's not bad. Yeah, I was going back and forth. I had uh, like candid murderer, but I think you're right. More specific would be something like murderer career rut. Or yeah, uh, something like that. Um, Alexis, yeah. do you have any thoughts on the game? I thought it was a blasé mass murderer. Yes. Blase. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, casual jaded. blasé. Yeah. 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 Amaya, you want to throw one in or? Uh, I guess I would just say mass murderer is tired of the job. You know, tired of the job. Change. Yeah. I liked it. I thought it was it was less than two minutes, which I liked. I, I don't like, I usually, I generally don't like character monologues, character pieces. I, on the kids in the hall, I tend to like them. But as when I've seen them performed live at UCB Theater, I tend to think that they uh, repeat themselves and go on for way too long. And I liked how so short So you didn't like was. characters welcome? <laughs> I guess that's my, I guess that's what go I was saying. Go ahead, yeah. say it. You hated <laughs> characters welcome and everyone who participated. <laughs> I, I do agree though when I was when I was directing mod like I didn't like uh, character monologues that were longer than two minutes especially because you had a group with like six people you had so little time and I was always like oh, you got one person talking for five minutes like it's not going to be that funny like you yeah, know it never time. is yeah. Yeah. How do you feel about this one? yeah how do you feel about Sorry? this one Alexis 
Well, this is actually this is a sketch I remember. It's one of my like favorite um, Kids in the Hall sketches. Uh, uh, I I liked there are two monologues of his that like I really remember and I thought were always so funny. Like this sketch. He also does another sketch where he's like a bad doctor. Yes. And he's very like I'm a bad like he's just so he doesn't really give a shit about it. And um, yeah, I, I I like it. It it uh, you know it's just like like anything when you look back at like a 30 year old sketch, you're like okay, this is not as fun as it was. 30 years ago or whatever, but you know, I, I've always liked the sketch. Yeah. Uh, what about you, May? Um, you know, I think I wrote that, like, I think it's a clear premise, but it didn't make me laugh at all. It's just, mm. uh, like, I think it's a funny idea, but it didn't make me laugh. And I think why well, I was just thinking about what works about characters welcome or what works about a long monologue. And usually it depends on the performance of the actor. Like they have to have a lot of charisma like you want to be wanting to watch them. And I think Dave Foley is like a really fun, funny guy, but he delivers this like he does any other monologue. Like it's really matter of fact. Mm-hmm. It's not like a virtuoso performance or anything. And so sticking with it mentally, it's just like not engaging enough. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but the yeah. premise is really clear and they like get a lot of funny jokes in and it's just, you know. I guess it's hard to like, yeah, if you're writing any a blase blank, whatever, blase, uh, extra normal occupation, extra normal person. You always kind of have to go into this delivery mode, but then it's like, it's not, it's not super engaging. Yeah, Uh, I think like the first joke about like the mass being the hard part is like the funniest thing. And then after that, you kind of know what. Right. (laughs) Imagine if that's what he pitched it, like, like that line. And then like, oh, that's a great sketch. And then. Yeah. Write it up. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. We should wait for one more line before we give. (laughs) I I wonder if. Go ahead. No, I wonder if this territory has been like, because I kind of looking back away, like I kind of agree with you. It was like rewatching it for the first time in years. I was like, I was like, oh, I used to really like this sketch. Now it's like boring. But I wonder if this territory of this like kind of like handsome white guy, like with this horrible who's doing something horrible. Uh, I was you know, bring this up. It, yeah. it's 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 just well-tread territory by now. And people have done it better. But like and in 1990, it was like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but in 1990, right. it was like, whoa, look at that. I it's agree, hundred <laughs> percent. I think like you it's draw not a direct just, line it from from mm-hmm. Dave Foley here to Tony Soprano to Walter White. <laughs> well, I was it's, thinking right, Walter White. Character. I thought Dexter a lot. You know, like these like characters that are, we're very familiar with now, who are like normal guy serial killers, like that. That's Plus a, Joe Goldberg of you. I think we're very into like watching men get away with stuff. And also, <laughs> I feel like there's true crime out there now that like you know doesn't celebrate but definitely like (laughs) gives this impression of people who are you know murderers or bank robbers and then they hide and live a normal life you know in a suburb and nobody finds out about it until the very end and yeah there's just so many i think current cultural references to people like this so it's i think viewing it now is different than it was in the i also think uh, we've all just murdered sorry go to me I was going to ask if you were murdered, would you want your story to be told in a true crime podcast or would you want it to just be left No, alone? no, no. <laughs> you want to be I don't want people like, Yeah, I don't want people like reading my tweets in an HBO documentary being like, this is why. <laughs> <laughs> this is why he got murdered. <laughs> <laughs> reading your SNL recaps. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're murdered by uh, A.D. Bryant or something. <laughs> um, well, let's move on to uh, B and K. I looked at the the day and I noticed another gray hair and another line running down the middle of my face and I realize I'm turning 40 next week and just where the hell is my life going oh Mr. K oh Mr. B so this is they're reusing this vaudeville set that they've used several times throughout the season <laughs> um, it seems like they just they built this set and they're like okay if you build this set We'll we'll spend the money on it, but you got to use it at least three <laughs> or four times throughout the season. Four times, yeah. Okay, Lauren. I, I thought we've only seen it twice. What's the other? The other one was the racist one. Yes, there was a racist one. There was one more, but I I I don't I don't remember what it is offhand right now. It, that might have been one of the episodes you missed to me. Oh, sorry. Yeah, they, I think I think <laughs> wow. the sketch was uh, it was they were like one was being a bad straight man in the comedy team, right? That, that was one, one of them for one. sure. Yeah, and then I think there was no, I thought no, I was I was I thought there was one more. Maybe I'm wrong. Anyway, they've definitely used it twice, at least. They do a who's on first sketch, right? Where they undo who's on first. That yes. Right. That yes. Right. Yes. Maybe that was the other one. That might have that might have been the one. I think we're that all been describing the same, the same sketch yeah. <laughs> in three different ways. <laughs> oh, you're right. You're right. Yeah. 
<laughs> the bad that might have been the bad straight man probably was bad straight man racist who's on first <laughs> sketch <laughs> but i think there was sketch. one more up at so many people it's my tinder profile what do you what do you think of this one uh alexis this is horrible i mean this episode's kind of bad like uh there's like (laughs) scott thompson uh, you know even rewatching this i'm just like when he's not on screen i'm like wow like (laughs) the show these guys can be pretty flat without scott and uh this is this like even the audience is like the audience is so trying to be on board like they they seem to be because i remember they were like a a hit sketch group before the show so when the show started like yeah the audience here, they shoot it in Toronto and they fill the audience with their, their fans, their friends and fans uh, of, of, yeah. their, of their live show. So they, they, they even do, their, their fans prime... are like, yeah, their fans are like, oh, this sucks. I, this one just seemed really half baked to me. Like they kind of had like an idea of, of, I guess, vaudeville comics that are uh, getting personal, sharing, sharing their reality in, in, in the form of these jokes. And yeah, I thought just like the like pressed vaudeville act is what yeah. it felt like to me. But you're right. It yeah. did feel like it was a premise that they just wanted to do and didn't really care if people found it funny or if it worked. There was even it just felt like they came up with it and forced it. Let me see if I can find it. There's a, there's a part where he tell one of them tells a joke and the audience just like groans. Yeah, oh, really. Worked at the same dead end job he loathes for forty years. Tell me, why would your uncle or any man work in the same dead end job he loathed for forty years? I asked him. He said, "I'll try anything once." Whoa! <laughs> So, <laughs> you actually hear the reaction go, you want. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that is not a reaction you want from the audience. Um, I don't even get it. Anyway, <laughs> I thought uh, it, I actually thought it was kind of a a funny joke. Well, I like the joke. Like and, jokes. It was supposed to be sort of bad, right? For the for the in within the logic of the sketch, like the, it was supposed to be bad, like because it's the it's an old it's an old joke. But it's also uh, supposed to be depressing and sad. You know, you worked in right. this job for 40 years. Why would you stay in this dead-end job you hate for 40 years? Well, I'll try anything once. I think that's funny. <laughs> yeah, but, you tell uh, it better, I think. Yeah, that was pretty good, Nick. <laughs> yeah, that was good. We should go into vaudeville. Uh, this did make me think about that other sketch they did about Oscar Wilde. So, like, they're okay, so maybe they're doing these vaudeville sketches because they have this set they have to get the money out of. But, you know, it's just, like, curtains and a fucking painted board in the back. <laughs> yeah. I think it's more that they are kind of, like, in this conversation with the idea of comedy a lot. Yeah. And they have this sketch where they just trash Oscar Wilde for no real reason. <laughs> So you I love that sketch just, so much. I just think it's so silly. Um, but I this coming up again, I'm like, I guess they just keep thinking about what comedy is and wanting to talk about it. Like it's almost like a meta, another meta comedy thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the vaudeville stuff, in my opinion. And this was the kind of one where I, you, you were mentioning the the kids and all trying to get trying to make artful sketch comedy. To me, this kind of felt like they were trying to do that, but I, but also kind of failing, in my opinion. I don't know, but I feel like Bruce is usually trying to do that, like trying to bring something more to sketch comedy. And I, I, and I feel like this was one that he wrote. I can't say that for sure, but it seems like one he wrote to me, and it just seems, yeah, half baked and not quite there. It's uh, weird well, if he we... wrote it, why he would give Kevin the like character of being the guy freaking out rather than himself. Do you think he couldn't play that? Well, they both kind of do it, right? He, Bruce has the the monologue. Yeah, at they the take end. turns, sort of. Oh, sorry, I didn't really notice it. It was my baby. I should have been consulting. Where were you when we needed you? I was out getting my head together. You know me, man. I loved you once. But you betrayed me. We, we got, got a stone. Yeah, so there's a little bit of burst there. Anyway. Yeah. I know what this sketch needs. A half-hearted mention of abortion <laughs> towards the end. Uh-huh. <laughs> That'll really pick things up. Well, yeah, let's watch this last... Choices. This la- a little bit of this last sketch called Beautiful Women, starring Darcy Pinnell, a, re- a recurring character, if you can believe it. But let's, let's watch the opening of this. <laughs> Darcy, Darcy, Darcy Pinnell. She makes the whole city feel real swell. Darcy, Darcy, Darcy Pinnell. She makes your life a lot less hell. A lot less hell? Why aren't you speaking? Your lips are moving, but you're not speaking. What? <laughs> Welcome to the Darcy Pinnell Show. Yeah, that's the... the Because I, I, I know the sketch comes back, but I, the only reason I remember it was because of that weird theme song. She makes your life a lot less hell. <laughs> I don't know. I and people seem to like it. Your life a living. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. 
like the way she pronounces this guy's name. Can yes. Play that little thing? Yeah, let's see. I think that's right here. I'm Darcy Pinnell. Hi. How you doing? Today we're going to take a look at the world of high fashion. I'd like to welcome our guest, internationally renowned fashion designer, Kristen Renewer. Christian Renoir. Christian Renoir. No, Christian Renoir. Christian Renoir. So apparently, and I was looking up the, the character, I think that's the, the main game of her character as, as they bring it back is that she can't pronounce names. Because <laughs> <laughs> like, there's so many things happening in this sketch. It's very funny that that's the thing that they landed on is her, <laughs> her thing. Yeah, well, yeah, it seems like the main premise of the, of the sketch, that it seemed like they were setting out to write a sketch about a fashion designer that, that makes... Um, that makes clothes for women that will hurt the women because he doesn't like ugly women. Seems like that seems to be the premise for the scene. And then they, as they were writing it, they came up with this Kevin character, this Darcy Pinnell character and like expand. I, I, I'm just trying to get in their heads how they came up with this, but maybe I'm totally wrong. What, what did you, what did you guys think of this one? It seems like we all kind of agree that it was hateful. Well, I thought the game was going to be uh, like ugly women fashion and or something like, and and I thought that there was something to the idea of like, well, it's all like fashion industry has all extremely beautiful people modeling their clothes, and what are clothes like for ugly people? Like, I I think there's something to that. That's an interesting observation to me. But to then just have the jokes be there's a spike through their head and they're stepping in glass, like I just. Very odd choices on the beats. I don't know. I just thought it was another example in this episode of having an okay idea and then just not executing it. Let me uh, play the clip real quick where he explains that a little bit. But I hate ugly women, Darcy. Oh, I hate ugly women with a passion you cannot begin to imagine, and they are an abomination of everything that the beautiful woman stands for. Hmm. So is this hatred for ugly women affected your work at all? Yes, 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 yes. In fact, my career has taken a bit of a turn in that direction. I'm now designing a line of clothes specifically for the ugly woman. Are you French? No. I really just wanted to get that line. Are you French? No. That was my favorite part of the sketch. <laughs> he's not French. He just talks like that. Oh, he's right. from Quebec. That's what I was wondering. Oh, you think uh, he's, that makes it less funny? <laughs> yeah, I know. Right. I actually had I a very logical and it... unfunny reason for why I'm talking like this. <laughs> I don't think that is their reason, but it is, it's like what I thought of there in Canada. Anyway. Yeah. So, I mean, do we have Alexis anything else to say about this you, one? Got, you guys didn't like this one at all? or? I mean, I thought it was like really trying to make some sort of commentary about misogyny but it just was really misogynistic i kind of like i don't know how you would do ugly women fashion as an idea without being offensive like i was expecting her to like just be covered from head to toe or something but it just like went even beyond my negative expectations to being like i hate ugly women and i want them to suffer and be in pain and possibly murdered (laughs) it was just like so ugly in the way it presented this idea it was beyond um and then yeah it was just i can't really see a redeeming side of it i don't know i'm I'm open to interpretations if you guys have them yeah uh my my initial reaction was just basically uh this is probably how like this kind of person possibly does feel in real life you know and it just feel like a kind of it also felt like this would be a joke that this actual person would think is funny Mm, yeah, yeah, and I was like, and I was like, so it's not funny. This actual person, you mean this fashion designer, like, uh, or do you like, mean Dave Foley? I, I mean, right, I, I, misogynistic I, characters. Yeah, a, a misogynistic like fashion designer, like, yeah. was just like, oh, you know, it'd be funny if we made clothes for ugly women like this, and it was like, you know, it just didn't, <laughs> it just didn't like, it wasn't interesting to me. What did you guys think about the appearance at the end of Scott's character from the Dracula sketch to kind of tie the episode together? <laughs> Well, I think there's a very funny performed moment where they're like looking back and forth at each other. That is very funny. But I think it's kind of a cop out to be like, oh, this this like hideous misogynist is secretly gay or something yeah. like I, I don't know. Yeah. It also made me realize that like callbacks are beloved from like an all time. They're, they are timeless. People love them no matter what I, I feel like you do it today people love it then huge recognition applause like i always am tickled by audiences who like don't see callbacks coming and then when they happen they're like mind is fucking blown mm. i don't know it's just always a trick that always works it feels like 
If, and yeah. when you're like when you're putting them together, you feel like the smartest guy in the world. You know, it's like, <laughs> what if we put this character from that sketch up in this one? It'll be incredible. Uh, but yeah, Alexis, you're gonna say something. I think what what are the thing about callbacks though that are that are like a little bit artful is that to be successful as a callback, the original time it has to be good, right? So mm-hmm. basically. When you put something together and it's funny the first time and then it's funny again, the audience is like, wow, you did it. You're, you're, you were so knowledgeable about your own sketch right. show that you knew that it would be funny the first time and that it would be interesting again. Like it's kind of it is it is like a to me, it is interesting. It is a good trick. Alexis, do you, do you remember moment when you're yeah. backstage and a joke doesn't do well? And you go, uh oh, we're bringing that back. <laughs> yeah, do you guys, <laughs> and they're, they're not gonna like it. Jared, do you remember a specific? Do you remember a specific moment where that happened with the sketch you wrote, or Ooh, anybody else? A, a specific one? I don't. Um, I don't. All my callbacks were flawless, so it's hard <laughs> no, I don't. I, I don't. I mean, I. We've definitely, I remember as a having team, that as a sketch team, it happened all the time, yeah. you know, whether it was me yeah. or somebody else. So we, we would always, you'd always try to have at least one or two callbacks in there at some point, and inevitably, <laughs> there'd be one where you strike out the first time and you know you're going to strike out harder <laughs> the second time. I, I oddly used to watch a lot of Spanx at UCB. Uh, I, don't, I don't know really what, why I did it, but like, um, and it was almost like fun for me to see like somebody like hit, come out hit really bad, like just miss, totally miss. And then like <laughs> watching them have to do it four more times uh, throughout the show and like just seeing like how horrible they felt <laughs> like every time they had to do it. For some reason, it was just like funny to me. Um, well, hey, that, that's the end of the episode. Um, Alexis, thanks for joining us. Oh, wait, it's not the end. We, have, we haven't done our favorite segment. Uh, Jerry, do you want to sing the theme song, Sketch the Up? Sketch of the app, sure. Sketch of the app, it's the sketch of the app. Come on down, it's time for sketch of the app. We got it, yeah. That oh is God, actually pretty good. Horrible. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> All right, play like one, one really good, one horrible. You know, it's, yeah, I get, so I like somewhere the range in the of middle. I feel yeah. like we're moving on too fast. I actually wanted to ask. Oh. Sure. Alexis, oh. if rewatching this, do you feel like you can see where it influenced you personally as a comedian? Um, yeah, actually, yeah, that's. Um, I, I definitely see the Dave. Like I guess I used to love Dave Foley uh, because again, like the seeing that uh, his his mass murder thing. Like I was kind of like, oh, like I do like that kind of deadpan. That is your comic persona, of. yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, but but one one thing that's interesting to me is like I I didn't like like this episode. Um, There's like a couple of moments I like. I liked the the Dracula sketch and. Um, I didn't love the mass murder sketch as much as I used to, but but I was wondering like, did I like this back then? Like, mm-hmm. did I watch this entire episode and laugh back then? I don't know. It's tough to say. I do think that my my favorite memories of the kids and all were from the later seasons. So it might just be that they were still get finding their footing here, in in, the, mm-hmm. in this first season. Uh, yeah. Amay, are we okay to move on to Sketch of the Up now, or do you have more questions? Yeah, I'm sorry. Well, <laughs> I just I like to check in with people emotionally at the end of the episode. I know it's like a difficult no. thing to go through this, revisit the past, whatever. I want to hear I mean, what's up. Definitely don't apologize. Were, I, I love the yes question. Were you a, a big Kids in the Hall watcher, Amay? I was, but, you know, going through these episodes, I feel like I actually wasn't really paying attention or something because I don't remember a lot of them. And um, I'm kind of shocked by some of the stuff that's in them. But I think I like was very attached to Scott Thompson and Dave Foley. Yeah. I think I like knew who they were personally in a way that I did not know a lot of other sketch comedy stuff. And I feel like it's pretty consistent that when we have guys on this podcast, they all kind of have a similar story of like watching every single sketch uh, team of the 90s, <laughs> you know, that they could lay their hands on. And I just did not have that experience at all. And I think there is still this huge disparity in experience in comedy for people um that could be along gender lines or race or sexuality i don't know what it is but it's just like there's only so much i could take in without feeling myself feeling like there's no way i can join this world you know sure Um, i wanted to i wanted to ask you about that too because you know now it's just like it feels so weird to have these like five dudes you know i mean it's not too weird because we see it still but um you know a lot of a lot of sketch comedy was like four four dudes check us out you know and probably four white dudes you know uh i wonder if like back then you know were you thinking about that 
of like, wow, it's um, like very, very male. I don't know. It's hard to like see yourself in the past and be realistic about what kind of person you are. I do think I've always been kind of a hard ass in a way that is attractive, negative attention. And that's the only reason I can say probably I was <laughs> because <laughs> I remember like getting into a lot of fights as a younger person. Mm-hmm. But definitely my awareness of it has increased as I've gotten older as it has, you know, for everybody. I mean, it definitely yeah, didn't so. go unnoticed in at large. I mean, there, you know, they got there were some criticism when it came out. I, I was reading old articles about how. Why are there no women in the cast? Why are it's also like an playing? insanely racist show? Like we've seen some sketches in here that are so absurdly, horribly racist. You're like, how did this continue to take off? And the answer is, I think a lot of people treat it as normal and just like par for the course. Yeah, and I, I think definitely they got a lot of uh, they they were given more rope than you might be given today because they presented themselves as being subversive and right and progressive, and you kind of take it as. Uh, oh, every, it, whatever race they're doing, being it must be ironic. And, yeah. yeah, right, right. It, but uh, yeah, Jared, can you do the sketch of the up song again? <laughs> <laughs> I know you have a clean take of that, Nick. I know you do. Don't make me do it again now. Okay. Well, one more thing I want to say. What real quick is? Um, I remember at the same time, like I feel like the state kind of came out a little later, and like Ben Stiller's show, and. I, I actually really hated those shows, <laughs> even though like I watched them, like I remember like being like, God, it's just miss after miss after miss, uh, like uh, the state. And th- for Kids in the Hall, at least back then watching it, I was like, even if it was a miss, uh, I think it may kind of said it's like they they really open themselves up to the audience. So you're kind of like going through it with them in a yeah. weird way. Like, sure. um, so I mean, th- they, that made it more enjoyable. I guess the state kind of. I specifically, I mean, I guess I'm not sure what you mean by opening up to the audience, but I was thinking about how kids in the hall often address the audience as themselves. Like, I'm Dave Foley. This is so I, I'm Kevin McDonald. Yeah, I wrote a that's sketch. exactly what I mean. Yeah. I mean, I, and I do remember the state doing that a little bit, but it was always very. They, they I mean, they were younger and more silly. I guess, yeah. I, I, I like the state, but I definitely held it to. I, I thought it was a on a lower tier than kids in the hall, but I did love Stella. I thought they really. Hit it out of the park with Stella. Those, to your point, Alexis, scenes. I think they they have these lived in scenes, you know, and they and they and when they depart from game and they do kind of give you this kind of second city, like just more acting kind of type of sketch. I, I think it's you develop a different relationship with them and the show, and it just it feels different than like an SNL thing where you feel like they're just plugging and placing you know actors into roles, and it's more of kind of a writer's you know, show, whereas this feels more like a performer show to me. And I think that you just de- de- develop a different connection with it. The I state was kind of like loaded with ironic detachment. Like they, they never seemed sincere at all. Um, so hit that sketch of the up theme song one more time, Jared. <laughs> it's a sketch of the, yep, the sketch of the, yep. Come on down guys. It's the sketch of the, yep. Mine would guys. be Dracula. <laughs> How about you, Alexis? Yeah, I'm going to go with, with Dracula. Jared? Um, I'm going to go with a tie, and it's going to be between um, Boo and um, I would Are say. I'm, huh? I'm. I'm looking like at the. Reading. I, well, reading I'm, I'm reading the sketches. I'm trying to remind myself. Yeah, let me just Uh-oh. read this book and then I'll answer. Um, yeah, I think I think uh, the 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 serial killer I kind of liked a lot actually. So I would say Boo and serial killer. Amay, what do you think? Um, I said Dracula, but I was muted. I don't know who's muting me. I'm not saying it's conspiracy. I noticed not, that, but I keep getting muted. <laughs> it's probably me doing it, but <laughs> it's definitely um, not Dracula. Me. Dracula, all right, okay. All right. Um, so it sounds like we got three votes for Dracula, and then Jared's kind of on his own, off on his own world there. Um, Alexis, this has thanks been so much. Sketch of the app, sketch of the app. You gave your answers. That's been sketch of the app. I can't do this <laughs> twice. <I'm sorry. laughs> three times. <laughs> three times. It's too many times to hear that horrible song. All right. Well. All right. Alexis, thanks for joining us. Uh, you have any other thoughts on kids and all to take us out? You've been a very thoughtful. Or things you want to plug? Um, you know, nothing really. Uh, if you want to follow me on Twitter, uh, Mr. Alexis Pereira. Um, and my vulture recaps for SNL. Um, yeah, it's uh, yeah. Kids in the Hall was uh, pretty, uh, I guess, 
uh, big for me growing up. And, uh, you know, it was fun to revisit. <laughs> Sounds <a> huge. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guess, you know, pretty big, I guess. Yeah. But but I, ironically, if I, if I ever taught sketch, I would not show a Kids in the Hall sketch. Interesting. Which I think, like, UCB did, but I just would not at all. Like, it, like either the jokes don't are not as funny anymore, like they've been done better by other people, or just, like, there's there's not strong enough game. You know, it's just not. We talked to Frank about that. And he's he showed a couple. He he would show the the doctor monologue you were talking about, and uh, a, a, another one doesn't matter. But what do you feel about their like kind of more experimental stuff? Because I do think they have an energy you don't see as much of just like making shit because they enjoy it at times. Like do yeah. not. I don't know. What do you think is most important about developing a comedic voice? Not to get too heavy. Ah, oh, that's a great question. Um, I feel like reg- like. It, when, especially when you have a sketch group, I think what we want to see is what the collective um, comes up with uh, together a, in a way that if you took somebody away, it would just ruin it. And for like for me, it's like Kids in the Hall like did it pretty well, and like certain seasons of SNL where you're kind of like, oh, all right, everybody, this is a, this is a well-oiled machine, and if somebody leaves, um, it, it's because. Like for me, it's like anybody can go up and do like a funny sketch that like you know once uh, that's like well written. But um, when I when I want to see like like a, a sketch show or like a comedy show, like the jokes are less important than like the the unique combination that we're gonna see. You know, right. and if I feel like I could plug anybody in and it's like okay, then to me that just like it's not interesting. Right. Interesting. It's like think of it like a stand up or something. Like you're not going to see like Gaffigan just read off a list of good jokes <laughs> you're going to see gaffigan like you know yeah. do the gaffigan thing so it's like it is funny how sometimes sketch teams get lumped in that category and it's like no they need to have a voice too they need to be an ensemble they need to figure that out anyway yeah i keep crushing those heads 